couple of trades yesterday. We're going to talk about that. Clayton Kershaw expected to miss four to six weeks. Now I will ask these guys again, is he a first-round pick next year? Derek Fisher is up, and Kevin Gosman is pitching. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. I guess technically he's been pitching all season, but... Well... No. I don't know if he's, I don't know if I'd say he was pitching for about three months. He was throwing. He was throwing. He was definitely throwing baseballs towards major league batters. Well, <laughs> he's now more of a pitcher than a thrower. And you know what? We talked about those trades. Sports trades are scary. One person can be replaced by another, exchanged for money or given away for a hypothetical future person. And once they leave your team, you can't like them anymore, even if you have their jersey, which you can't wear anymore, except at B-dubs. They won't judge, but others might. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports. I'm Adam Azer. That was Chris Towers. And here's Scott White. Adam. Very How's it going? Very missed kind. Missed you yesterday. Th- yeah, missed you too. Kind Commissioner Scott White who let me, uh, you know, make amends for not setting my lineup properly. Thank you, Scott. Wow. Well, must be nice. I mean, I can't, I can't just let your lineup be illegal all week and. Mm-hmm. Sure you can. And you have Let no... him live with the, let him live with the repercussions of his actions. <laughs> um, would have been treat the end others of the, the way you want to be treated. There you go. That's how I see it. Thank you. And we're going to treat others very nicely here and tell them who to add. Who should they add right now? I think there's a lot of players to add right now. And I'll begin with some of the repercussions of this trade yesterday, the, the bigger trade, the Royals-Padres trade. Uh, hopefully you finally use this as your excuse to add Trevor Cahill if you haven't already. He's still owned in less than 70% of leagues despite an elite ground ball rate and an elite swinging strike rate. That is a fantastic combination that could lead to ace caliber results and now he's not going to get burned by win loss record presumably the way he was with the Padres because he's with the team that wants to win <laughs> that's always a good thing yeah. uh yeah so Trevor Cahill is 63% owned and just to stay on that trade should we pick up Brad Hand or uh yeah Brad Hand because he presumably is the closer now for the Padres you could you yeah. could pick up Brad Hand he you know, he's probably got about six days left in San Diego. <laughs> that, that's the mm-hmm. thing. Like, how long is he going to be a closer? I don't imagine any contender would acquire him to be a closer. He has to be the most in demand. Like, he has to be the single most likely player to get traded. Yeah, and he's this week because everybody could use a left-handed reliever, even if you already one have can, a couple, a third one at hurt. Especially one who can get righties out and can pitch multiple innings. He's yeah. the you know, kind of the the bargain bin Andrew Miller at this point. Yeah. He's so, been really good out of the bullpen. Like, I don't think you can just let him go unowned if, if you're in the kind of league where every closer gets scooped up, but don't get too attached. So who on earth is going to close for the Padres? Carter Capps? Not, not him. I would think Kirby Yates would be yeah. the next one up. And, He's and, been outstanding. Yeah, Andy Green mentioned him as uh, – he, he didn't – Andy Green, by the way, didn't officially declare Hand the closer. He mentioned Hand. He mentioned Kirby Yates, whose strikeout rate. It's been a lot better than you probably remember him being with the Yankees, Adam. He's 49 and 32 in a third innings. Right. Yeah. Looks that, like a closer caliber pitcher. There's also a rookie. Phil Matton. Maton. Yeah, M-A-T-O-N, who Padres seem to like a lot, and, and uh, he's thought to have closer stuff. Uh, but I would... I would rank him behind Yates. And then Carter Capps is back from injury at AAA and has been pitching a little better lately, so we can't completely rule him out either. Doesn't have the the velocity back yet, from what I understand. He is pitching out of his mind, though, at AAA right now, looking at the game log. Uh, Carter Capps has been great. All right, so that's obviously not the most attractive situation, but that is your breakdown of the Kansas City-San Diego trade. Were there any other angles, Chris? Uh, drop Brandon Maurer. Yes. He's not going to close in Kansas City. Um, and then looking ahead to next year, Matt Strom is someone who I think is going to have some, uh, sleeper potential at Petco Park. Uh, he's got a big strikeout rate. He just has to control the walks, but that's for next year. Chris, who do you want to tell the listeners they need to add? Well, we, I guess we kind of mentioned it. Let, let's have the Kevin Gosman talk. I'm oh. not sure. There, there, you know, there comes a time where every, yeah, every parent we, we have has to have, to have the Kevin the Kevin Gosman talk. Yeah, the 
the I'm trying to think of a joke here, but there's nothing <laughs> here, so I'm just gonna let it go. Okay. I was the Kevin Gosman guy coming into the season and coming into today in the office, Scott is much more excited about what Kevin Gosman's doing. I'm just at the point where I like he's shown the flashes. The last eight starts, the strikeout rate, the walk rate have been really good. Fifty seven strikeouts, forty two and two thirds innings. Only 15 walks in that span, 14% swing strike rate. That coincides with him throwing his splitter more, which I've always looked at as the key for him. But he's got a 464 ERA. He's still getting hit really hard. He's still giving up a lot of home runs. Well, it's only really three bad starts in this span. I look at, I focus specifically on the last two because it seems like last time out, uh, he made another adjustment in addition to throwing the splitter more. The biggest problem I feel like for Gosman is, is that he doesn't have a diverse enough arsenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the splitter is basically another kind of fastball and obviously he has a great fastball, high nineties fastball. So as a way, I guess, of kind of making up for not having the most diverse arsenal, he began to vary the speed on his fastball last time out. He got seven swinging strikes on his fastball in that game, which is a high number for a fastball. Not that high. Generally, not ha- that high compared to last night. Well, yeah, yeah not, not compared. I, w- I was getting there. Let me build up to it. Last right. night, he got 12 swinging strikes on his fastball. Fastball is not generally a big swing and miss pitch. For, so for him to get 12 just on it before you factor in the swings and misses he gets on his splitter like he, he always does, he had 20 swinging strikes overall in this game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, you know, he has to, A, stick with that approach. It has to continue to work, which, you know, as, as scouting reports get out, maybe maybe it's not going to be enough to put him over the top. But at least it's something he's doing different that seems to be getting results. I'm not ready to put him in lineups yet, but 52% ownership, I want to be the one who picks him up and has him on my bench if this does continue. Would you rather own Kevin Gosman or Mike Leake? Kevin Gosman. Yep. Gosman or Irvin Santana? Santana. Yeah, I'll stick with Big Irv. Okay, uh, Vince Velasquez or Kevin Gosman? Gosman. Yeah, I think Gosman. Gosmania over here. All right, let's move on. Here's a trivia question for you. We'll come back to players to add. We'll talk about Alex Bregman. He's 82% owned, but he's killing it. Randall Gritchick has homered in four straight games. I've got a Deepesh mode uh section here, which is all about players in deep leagues, because, like, Deepesh mode? Yeah, whatever. I don't know what. Deepesh? That... Yeah, I don't know why that came okay. to me, but... Oh, the... Band. The band. Dep- okay. Yeah, I you, just, yeah. you just missed those Nick Tepish references. Oh, was that right? what those were? You, you don't remember the, the Nick Tepish craze where it was an opportunity to talk about Depeche Mode? Oh, yes. Time. I actually, if you, if you knew Al Melchior, you knew about that, that part of fantasy baseball. Um, okay. So anyway, here's a trivia question. Who has thrown the most pitches in baseball this year? Huh. Clayton Richard. No. <laughs> He's giving up the most hits. Uh, he pitched last night though. Um, the most pitches in big, Justin Verlander. Justin Correcto! Justin Verlander. I don't know if I should care about that. I remember getting a little concerned earlier in the year about all the pitches that Jacob deGrom was throwing, and that didn't end up being a problem. But Verlander threw 119 pitches last night, seven innings, had a pretty good start. Yeah, yeah I would say he got, a little unlucky with one of the runs on a, a pass ball and then a sacrifice fly. I won't explain the whole thing, but I think he can be pretty encouraged. But, man, he's throwing a lot of pitches, most in baseball. Anyway, Justin Verlander is on an upcoming segment where I give you a name and you tell me if they are must-start. And let's just go to him. Is Justin Verlander must-start? Yes. Yeah, I think after the last two starts, he's back to being that. I, I was hedging a little bit in Roto Leagues, even though I still have faith in the skill set. Yeah, okay. I think he's back to being must-start. And I'll comment also on the pitches. I think that's fairly normal for him. I'm looked back over the last couple years. He's normally yeah. up over 110 more than half the time. So he's a guy who's always thrown a lot of pitches. Justin Verlander is a workhorse. Now, I would say I was I was watching the broadcast yesterday, and they said something pretty interesting. So apparently Verlander has been having a big problem this year with foul balls. Guys are just fouling off a lot of pitches, and he's had trouble putting people away. And Or even if he does put them away, it's taking longer, and maybe that's why he's throwing the most pitches in baseball. So he looked at some video, 
And I guess he made a mechanical adjustment. Verlander is now getting on top of his fastball a little bit more, throwing a little bit more downhill, something like that. Does it really <laughs> matter? The bottom line is he's try he he's trying to figure out why he's getting so many foul balls and made an adjustment recently. Let's see. Let's see if that helps. Stat of the day from ESPN Stats and Info. Jose Altuve is hitting 507 in July. The last <laughs> player to hit 500 for a full calendar month was Pudge Rodriguez in June of 2004 with a minimum of 75 at-bats, by the way. Jose Altuve is incredible. He's batting 507 in July. He is the number two hitter in points leagues, number three in Roto. Chris, say something interesting about Jose Altuve. Uh, I think he's hitting like 377 since the sixth game of the season. <laughs> right, he started off kind of slow, only had four hits in the first. Uh, yeah, he had four hits in the first six games of the season. He is hitting 380 in the last 90 games, which just goes to show you how impossible it is to hit 400 because as good as he's been, one little four for 26 stretch mm-hmm. has dropped his batting average 15 points. You know, he's, I had a, he's, I had, he's, yeah, he is amazing. I had the third pick in a, in our 14 team points league. I think it, maybe it was the fourth pick. And I was deciding between Jose Altuve and Paul Goldschmidt and we did an untimed draft and Jamie and I share the team and we really debated Altuve or Goldschmidt, Altuve and Goldschmidt. And I took, uh, we decided to take Goldschmidt. Sorry, Jamie. We decided to take Goldschmidt. It wasn't me. And, uh, I was so pumped about it, but now I feel like a loser. Because Altuve wow. has two and a half more fantasy points than Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> what an idiot! Yeah, uh, yeah Jose only Altuve eight hits in his last two games to get there. <laughs> Jose Altuve had went fifth in our uh, mock of the first two rounds during the All Star break. So, yeah, what do we? What can we say? He's as safe as a, as they come, basically. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, second base, like it's deep. Every position but shortstop and catcher are deep, right? Yeah, but it's lacking in standouts. So I I do think Altuve still has a little bit of the position scarcity benefit and going for he's him. Going to steal thirty bases and hit twenty home runs again this year. Yeah, he's awesome. So the big news: Clayton Kershaw is expected to miss four to six weeks with the back injury. Is he a first round pick next year? I asked Heath yesterday, and Heath kind of uh, hedged based on how long the injury would sideline him. Now it's yeah. four to six weeks. Is Kershaw a first round pick? But you have to remember too, Heath's, well, I don't know, I, I, Chris may be in the same boat. Like, Heath's a guy, Heath's never gonna take a pitcher in the first round. Period. So. But Kershaw did go, what, sixth or seventh in the mock that we did two weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. And um, I don't think it changes for me. I mean, it's, it's, this is it's two easy years to connect row, the back to the injury he had last year, but it's a very different injury. One was structural, this is muscular. Last year was a disc issue. This is a muscle strain. Yeah. Um, But I just, I have a hard time thinking they're totally unrelated, and that just goes to my pessimism about, about pitchers in general. I feel like usually when back injuries pop up, it's it's a core problem, and there are ways to correct that by strengthening the rest of your core. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure the training staff is all over it. And um I I think I, I don't think this is going to be like we can we should just assume this is going to be like a recurring thing every year we gotta worry about Clayton Kershaw's back. So I'm But I, I don't you can't dismiss it. No you can't. What was you his injury in it. what was his it's injury a, in two thousand fourteen? He missed the beginning of the season. It wasn't a back, was it? That was a weird situation because he pitched opening day in Japan, I think, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. It may have been a back issue. It's three, I can look that up. It's three out of four years now that Kershaw's had an injury. Yeah. Um, well, maybe he needs to strengthen his core. <laughs> Get on a training staff. He's not even having that good of a year. Like, his ERA is over two. <laughs> it, it's 204. That's, like, crazy high. Uh, yeah. Back? It was a back issue. Uh-oh. Back it up. Back, Down to the first round. That yeah. led to a strained shoulder. Um, whatever. He's still a first round pick. Okay. I mean, the thing is, like, even if he makes 25 starts, he's probably first round material still, right? Yeah, probably. Because he, it, in categories leagues, he basically carries you in three categories. And, you know, how many pitchers are going to make more than 
how many pitchers are going to throw more than 160 innings or whatever? He'd end up with 25 starts anyway. I know, I know Scherzer's come close to his ERA and whip, and I guess Sale and, and Kluber probably aren't far off either. But it's so rare to so reliably find that kind of dominance in ERA and whip, you know, that reliably mm-hmm. from a pitcher who well, throws but, the innings to get all the strikeouts. But if Kershaw you knew, does. if you knew he was only going to take, make 25 starts, you wouldn't draft him in the first round. I probably would. I mean, late first round. I, yeah, I don't see how that's, that's possible. <laughs> well, you no. put him in your queue and then when your turn comes up. All right. So obviously there's a good chance he doesn't. So that's kind of a hypothetical situation anyway. Kershaw out four to six weeks. Hopefully, you know, they can be cautious with him. Obviously, hopefully it's not longer than that. Hopefully he dominates when he comes back. We talked about the Kansas City trade. How about Atlanta trading Jaime Garcia to the twins? Jaime Garcia value up, down or the same? Same. Okay. George Springer left with a sore quad. He's day-to-day, as of now, not expected to go on the DL. The Astros called up Derek Fisher. They may have done this even without Springer getting hurt. Mm. Uh, and Fisher had a pretty darn good cameo. 278, two home runs, three walks, five strikeouts in five games. And he had he did not have any doubles. But still, he had a 611 slugging percentage in five games. And Fisher is 22% owned. Do you think he will play every day? I think there's a chance he does. Uh, I forget which Astros beat writer I was reading. But um, they wrote there's a chance he stays for good this time. And this was something I was a little surprised they went with Colin Moran when Carlos Correa got hurt instead of Fisher, since obviously Marwin Gonzalez is moving from left field back to the infield. Uh they they had a free outfield spot where they could play Fisher and Who did AJ they send... Hinch said it was bittersweet when they had to send Fisher back yeah. down after he had that good cameo. Who did they send down for Fisher? They sent down a pitcher. Okay. So Tyler White is still there as well. Yeah. And he's been playing second and short in the uh minors, so that gives them the flexibility to you know, potentially keep Derek Fisher in the outfield and use Tyler White as the kind of do-it-all infield guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And Fisher, I feel like, has the kind of skill set he, he could make an impact, kind of like what we've seen from Tommy Pham in, in a best-case scenario. Uh, had a 318 batting average, 967 OPS at AAA, some base-stealing ability, walks a fair amount. So... We need to see if he's playing every day, but if he is, I think even at a deep position, there's a chance he could make a fantasy impact. All right, that's Derek Fisher, 22% owned for the Houston Astros. Johnny Cueto could throw a bullpen session today, and Justin Bohr is likely to go on the DL with an oblique strain. Boo! Now, I bury the lead. We'll get to this a little bit later, but I need to tease it. We got an awesome edition of Team Name Tuesday, all Rafael Devers' team names. (laughs) So... Including this one, which oh, he better be good. I'm just gonna go ahead and give <laughs> give this one here. Let's see. Uh, it is uh, where? Oh, come on. Oh, it's from John in Boston. Yaz Devers money Raphael problems. <laughs> <laughs> How great is that? Uh, I wish Heath were out here to defend the worst team name in team name <laughs> history. It's it's. Just as reasonable as the actual one, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, Monday standouts. We got a closer to tell you about. A new closer, perhaps. But first, Alex Bregman, the new shortstop, is 82% owned. And you may not have noticed, but in July, Bregman is hitting 328 with two home runs, three steals, 19 runs scored in July. Remember, they had, we had the all-star break in July, too. And 10 doubles. Also, 10 walks and 10 strikeouts. So... Look, it looks a lot better now that he finally, you know, he had his second home run. He hadn't really hit a lot of home runs, but a lot of doubles this month for Bregman. Batting 328, same amount of walks as strikeouts. Is this the start of something, you know, a strong, strong finish for Bregman, or is it too soon to make that conclusion? It's too soon, but I mean, there's, there's a chance he's this good. This is who we thought he'd be coming into the year. And frankly, now that he's shortstop eligible, I know technically he hasn't scored the points of a top 10 shortstop, but I just, I, I don't see, like, I, I, I think he's absolutely a top 10 shortstop. Yeah, what, do you, what do you have him at third base? If he slows down from here. Would I have him at third base? Yeah. Like 16, 17? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking like is that, that like, I have him in like the 1920 range and that's probably a top 10 shortstop. 
Yeah, but he hasn't been at least not not before yesterday. Maybe yesterday. Yeah, he technically that. hasn't. But been. but I I like I have I trust him to outperform Marwin Gonzalez rest of season. Not that I think Gonzalez is a bad play at shortstop. When let me give you the following numbers. <laughs> okay. If a, if a shortstop hit 270 with an 833 OPS, 15 stolen bases, and 20 home runs, like 60 RBI, 90 runs scored. That'd be a top 10 shortstop without question, right? Yeah. That's basically his pace since May 1st. Well, then, oh, well, since May 1st, okay, yeah. 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 But a lot of that is July, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of it's July, I would assume. His OPS for the season has risen about 60 points, but, you know, he also was pretty good in May. Um, so, you know, it's not all July. Would you rather have Bregman or Trevor Story? Trevor Story. Well, I'd rather have Bregman. Like, I, I think Bregman is, you can win a championship with Bregman as your shortstop. And yeah, there's upside for story. Uh, I'm not, I haven't completely given up on him just because, uh, you know, he has Coors Field as his home. But, but there's a lot of downside there too. And, and I just, like, I, I couldn't, I, I don't have so much trust in story rebounding that I'm going to pass up the high, high floor of Alex Bregman. Okay. Just, you know, Story was on like a 50-homer pace last year or something. Just, you know. And they both, yeah. they're similar in that they were both very good last year for, you know, well, Bregman. But, be, but the difference is Bregman, good. disappointing Bregman has still been, for a shortstop, I would say more than competent. I mean, no, he hasn't been oh. top 20 technically. I mean, top 10 technically at the position, but he has been top 12. Well, he is. Has he been top twelve? He has. He's eleventh in points at shortstop. That's because of yesterday. If we had this discussion yesterday, that would not have been the case. Okay, I mean, well, eh, maybe he would have been thirteenth. Still true. I yeah, but that's the thing. Like, is he really competent? Because Didi's been better yes. than him. Segura's been better than him. Nunez has been better than him, and they've right. all played fewer no, games than him. They've played fewer. Games. They've played fewer games than him. That's what I'm saying. I, I I disagree. I just disagree. I think Bregman's had a crappy year. I'm just like he's had a crappy year, and I don't he's know got, how you could say a top twelve because he's not top twelve on a per game basis. Yeah, that's, and it's shortstop okay, and it's not horrible. Far off. Like, I mean, he's got thirty. It's July twenty fifth. He's got thirty RBI and fifty runs scored. He does have ten home runs and nine stolen bases, so that's okay. But like. He hasn't been great this season. He's hit tw- 12 home runs. saying he's been great this year. We're just, we're just talking about competence. We're not talking about greatness. Well then, right, by, by, by that, by that measure. We often find no, no, ourselves but, in this discussion of Okay, but player. what I'm saying, but what I think Adam's saying, and I agree with him, is that he might be number 12 in points right now. He has not been a top 12 shortstop. Like, if you pick okay, 10 different so days. He's been throughout. a top 15 shortstop. That's not that's good. Right, that's not good. But that's still, right, but that's still, I'm tired of this discussion. No, Scott, because I having dumb talk. Scott, Scott, I I just I don't understand your blanket statement that if a guy is top 15 at shortstop or top 12 at shortstop that he's had a competent year. Like, why can't we just accept that Carlos Santana hit two home runs yesterday? He's another guy that we've had the same discussion about. Carlos Santana has had a bad year. Like they've moved his own standards, yes, but he has not been a. Bad contributor in fantasy. I, I really like, don't understand how you can say that to the Carlos Santana owner or the Alex I'm Bregman so tired owner. Of this conversation. No, let's just, can we just have like have a to agree to disagree? I, I just I can't do this again. I, I would like to have a civilized conversation about I it. That's why it. I'm, I'm incapable of civilized discussion when it comes to the competence of players in fantasy. I think it's interesting. I, I think it's interesting perspectives. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to be adversarial here. I'm trying to. We we both are obviously coming at this differently, and okay. it, it it really clearly affects the way. You, people evaluate players like mm-hmm. i cannot sit here and say that alex bregman has had a competent year alex bregman has been a yes straight... you can look at his numbers they're fine they're are, competent are they are they he, competent he has nearly 800 ops as a shortstop how is that not competent uh, okay he's... yeah I, th- I think he's been fine okay so what are we arguing about it's been a recent hot streak he's been a, a total bust for most of the year <sighs> he has 24 doubles at the end of July. Again, I mean, you, please. That's what, a 40 double pace? But you, we cannot only oh, argue about awful. points oh, leagues. Goodness. Scott, we can't, I can't only. can't believe this league leader in doubles is on my fantasy. I can't believe oh. we only argue about points leagues. Like, what about the people in categories leagues? I, 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 again, it's, you, you neglect he's a, to, to. He's a shortstop with 10 homers and 9 steals. I yeah. mean. And, and he's like. A ton he, of runs scored. Like, 
And he's like and 18 the categories. He's played 143 games in his career. He's had 18 homers, 11 stolen bases. He has a 264 batting average, 81 runs scored, 64 RBI. That's fine. That's pretty good, but it's not, it's not great. Even for a shortstop, it's, it's pretty, like, you're okay with it. Mm hmm. But mm-hmm. you're not. I am okay with it. But I, I don't confidence. think. That's but I don't I think mean, having that. But I think the point is having that guy is not necessarily a situation where you say, "All right, I'm set at shortstop." Right. And That's, whereas, like, yeah. we assume he has upside to build on, but mm-hmm. we're 600 plate appearances in. The batting average hasn't gone where we hoped it would be, despite some pretty good strikeout prevention. So well, I just. But it is now. It's 265. I know, but he's seems to be picking it up. Yeah, he's had a right. great I, I, Okay, pass. I understand the idea. I'm not necessarily set at shortstop with Alex Bregman there. I think yeah. when you factor in the upside, maybe that puts it over the top. Like, I see it. Would you say Jed Jerko's been competent this year? I think Jed Jerko's been better than him. Yeah, uh, Jed Jerko's like, been competent, sure. Yeah. I mean, Bregman's actually, in points leagues, he's outscored Jerko now. But um, Bregman's been fine. I don't think there's, like, if anything, he's going to take a step back from what he's done this year. So I would absolutely be looking to upgrade from Bregman. Marwin Gonzalez, same thing. From Jerko. Oh. You'd be looking to upgrade, to upgrade from Jerko, from Jerko yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I don't know. All yeah, right. I, I think All Bregman's right. fine. Okay. That's what I want. <laughs> look, it, to, but to say he's fine right now... You know, he's fine as your shortstop going forward is different than he's been his, fine all year long. Right, his overall numbers are fine. He has not been for if you pick out ten random days throughout the course of the last hundred during which the season has taken place, he probably has not been a top twelve shortstop at that specific moment more than a handful of times. Yeah. But has he been so far off? At shortstop? Been really worth Well, he's also hasn't been your shortstop until last week. Yeah. Or this yeah. week, actually. Sure. Um, he can be useful moving forward. He has not been very useful this season overall. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Um, I'm glad we found clarity there. <laughs> I, I think we kind of did. Uh, Randall Gritchick is 28% owned. He has homered in four straight games. How oh, much? The Kevin Gosman of hitters. <laughs> how much of a must that is Randall Gritchick? I mean, is he going to get sent down next week? Like, are we sure that's not going to happen? It's Randall Gritchick, you know? He gets blazing hot. He gets freezing cold. Like, you know, you guys have had this discussion on the on the football podcast a lot about consistency because Heath just views things differently. And, you know, he talks about how consistency is not predictable. That, you know, you should look at the overall numbers, not the way they're distributed. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But then you look at, like, Randall Gritchick, who's just never been consistent. And it doesn't seem random. Like, he's the kind of guy that they talk about. Like, he needs to go down and fix something. And then when he fixes that thing, he looks really good for a while. And maybe it's just that he runs into a couple of fastballs every couple of weeks, you know? Like, it, it's it's really hard to say. But at this point, it's hard to get excited about this guy. All right. So would you rather have Nick Williams or Randall Gritchick? I think I asked Heath yesterday, and he said Gritchick, I think. I'd rather have Nick Williams. Okay. And Anthony Swarzak got a save yesterday, and Rick Renteria, I believe, said, we're just going with the guy who's pitching the best, and that would be Swarzak and Clippard. <laughs> I don't know why they weren't doing yep. that. <laughs> Clippard I don't know why they came it. out and said Clippard was going to get the saves. Yep. Because Swarzak was pitching better. Yeah. So if they're going with the guy who's better, like, things got a little shaky in the ninth. <laughs> they did, but he he threw more than an inning. He threw an inning and a third. Yeah. He was facing the Cubs, and he yeah. got the saves. So. And the heart of the Cubs. Yeah, if Clippard loses his role, loses the closer role before the White Sox even have a save <laughs> opportunity, I would say Clippard is not the closer, yeah. and Swarzak is. And I'd rather have Swarzak than Hand or anyone else in the Padres bullpen, uh, because there's you know, there's more clarity there, first of all, and then beyond that, I think the White Sox may be a little better than the Padres, just a little. It might be. You know what? The Giants stink, but if you picked up Sam Dyson, you've gotten six saves from him. So it happens. Yeah. Here's your tweet of the day. It's from Ryan McGarry. What is your worryometer on Miguel Cabrera and Josh Donaldson? I have an offer for D. Gordon for either of them. Please help. Miggy and Donaldson. 
if you need stolen bases, like like that's the the only thing D Gordon will give you above either of them. Maybe he'll give you batting average, but I still think Miguel like we had the whole Miguel Cabrera discussion last week. We're not gonna rehash it. I'm not worried at all. I think zero or one. Donaldson I'm a little higher on uh on the worryometer just because the peripherals aren't there. They he's are not, not he's not hitting fly balls, and this is the this is the the godfather of the fly ball revolution, right? His fly ball percentage is 34%. His hard hit rate is 33%. He's just not the same guy that we've been hoping to see, and I don't think he's ever been right since that calf injury. That's interesting. He came off the DL, Josh Donaldson, and he was awesome but he, for about two yeah. weeks. And he's yeah. been I'm not I, really worried about either. I, I have a little more concern about Miguel Cabrera, but um, I'm not really worried about either. Chris, I, I, maybe I'm crazy. I thought that Donaldson was hitting more fly balls this year. Am I crazy? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah. Yeah, down at 34%. Uh, I, was, I thought I was crazy. No, yeah, he's hitting more ground balls this year. And, wow, less, a lot less hard contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing is that Miguel Cabrera's peripherals are arguably better than they were last year. And that's why I'm not worried, even though the production hasn't been there, even though we're 90 games in. Donaldson's peripherals are all worse, pretty much. The more I start to look at peripherals, though, the more I, you know, now that I just, all I have to do is hit F and Fangraphs autofills <laughs> on my yeah. navigation. But, you know, I see a lot of, we're at the point in the season now, like I see a lot of, well, the peripherals are really good, but the number, or this looks a lot like last year, but the results are completely different. I'm just not really sure what they My only response is Nick Castellanos is a top 12 third baseman. Or was like five days ago whenever we discussed it. I'm sticking with it. He's going to be a top 12 first baseman forever. Thus, I am correct. Third baseman. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, like, the peripherals don't tell you everything. No, but they tell you – I still think they tell you more than just the numbers. But but do they tell it, you more than the fact that Josh Donaldson for the last two years has been one of the very, very, very best hitters in baseball? And he might just be slumping? He might just be slumping. But he's also a 31-year-old who – It's not that old. It's, he's not that old, but he's older than me. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you always think people are old. That's because you're like, you're like 23. No, he's old. Like, you were ready to, <laughs> like, you were, like, packing Andrew McCutcheon's bags and sending him to Del Boca Vista. Well, look at the last two seasons for McCutcheon and the last two seasons for Donaldson. I promise right, I wouldn't. But I'm saying, you were, <laughs> Del you Boca were, Vista. like, Andrew McCutcheon's done. He is. Yeah, I, I did. Is, I did. It was a much longer stretch. He's of time. moving to. He's taking. He has to eat with dentures. You don't have to. There, 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 were other, there were other indicators of age beyond yeah. just what he was right, doing. Right, but that's but that's what I'm arguing with Josh Donaldson is that there are also indicators there. He's not hitting the ball as hard. He's not hitting the ball in the air with the frequency he was. Yeah, and I, 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 I still see those as all part sure. of the same package. They're they're what he's doing with the bat in his hand. Right. As opposed to but, Andrew McCutcheon stopped running, he stopped playing defense. Right, but Josh Donaldson didn't run. So that's not really like it's not it's not like oh, he stopped okay. running. Okay. Right, but we did like, have that could be battle. those indicators that just aren't as obvious. Interesting show so far today. Let's move on here. So I, I guess overall, Chris is a little worried about Donaldson. Nobody seems all that worried about Miggy, but you do have to consider the injuries with with Miggy, um, you know. All right, let's look at deep leagues. Deepesh mode. First, a uh, guy who's twenty five percent owned. He's the you know owned in a lot more leagues than these other guys. Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble is batting three twenty three. Do you consider Ben Gamble to be anything other than a good source of batting average? If he remains that, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I still have some skepticism there. His batting his Babbitt has to be. It's over four hundred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm impressed he's kept it going this long. Because yep. the bottom hasn't fallen out yet, but I'm still waiting for that to happen. Gamble has seven extra base hits in his last seven games. Would you rather have Gamble or Grichik? Grichik. Yep. Okay, I'm just going to give you some names, and you stop me when you think they should be owned in more than 10% of leagues. Mark Chapman. Miguel Gonzalez. Chris Smith. Adam Conley. Adam Conley. Uh, I could see it. He seems to have solved the control issues that he had before going down to the minors. He's never going to be a high strikeout guy, but he did a really good job of limiting hard contact last season when he was right. He's he's someone who can be worth he can be owned as as much as Martin Perez is, who's seven sixteen percent. He's still not throwing nearly as hard as he did. No, last he's year. he's lost velocity for sure. All right, so. Adam Conley. So nobody yet. 
Martin Perez, Johan Carmago. Okay. There's Waste of a segment. <laughs> well, at least we got it out of the way. Time for the Jag Alert. After I tell you about Buffalo Wild Wings, it is sports season. Whoever invented summer was obviously a sports fan. They didn't even try to hide it. They gave it playoff hockey, playoff basketball, the opening of both soccer and baseball. It's a clear display of favoritism, and the other seasons did not stand a chance. With three months of clutch playoff drama and the awakening of new seasons, it's clearly the work of a sports fan. They may as well have called it sports season, and in fact, at Buffalo Wild Wings, they do call it sports season. Don't ever call it summer, because that's not what it is. It's sports season. They're just waiting on the legal change. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports. All right, so we put Adam Jones on the Jag Jag Alert section. I don't know if we had the Jago meter or whatever. And this Jag stands for just a guy, meaning you could drop him if you needed to. And, yeah, we kind of felt like Jones was just a guy. But lo and behold, the same thing has happened this year as what happened last year. They moved him to lead off and immediately a spark. So here's what has happened. Adam Jones, last season, he – uh, was had a 639 OPS on May 27th, so about two months into the year. They moved him to leadoff, and in the next 33 games, he had a 952 OPS and 11 home runs. He was terrific. And then he went back to being kind of lousy. The last three months of the season, Jones had 13 home runs and a 709 OPS, which is terrible. Now, Jones homered again yesterday. That's four home runs, and he's batting like 500, or around 500 in his last seven games. And entering yesterday, he was batting 326 in 10 games with three homers as a leadoff hitter. So, question, long-winded question, is Adam Jones a jag, or is he worth owning in the 96% of leagues that Jones is owned in? I think he's more a jag than not. I... I just don't see in a year where everybody, I mean, like 20 home runs is the expectation. A lot of players are going to hit 30. Home runs are just such an easy asset to come by. And that's really all Adam Jones provides. I mean, he doesn't get on base enough to score runs. He's not really batting, a useful source of batting average. Uh, you know, for points leagues, he doesn't walk at all. So he's not winning on peripherals. He's just, when he's hot and hits a lot of home runs, you want him in your lineup. And when he's not, you can probably do better. Like, I like, I think there's more upside with like Domingo Santana. I think there's more upside with Tommy Pham for sure. This is just a guy that we're going to look up at the end of the season and he's going to have 27 home runs and 85 RBI and 86 runs scored. And we're just going to be like, he wasn't that good. No. And that's kind of what happened last year. Yeah, but his batting average isn't good anymore. He doesn't steal ever. And if you play in an OBP league, God help you if you own. Adam yeah, I Jones. think he's. I think he's just a guy. How about Matt Kemp? Matt Kemp in his last forty-three games is batting two twenty-four with a five ninety-two OPS. He's another guy yeah. who goes through stretches, but this is pretty yeah. bad. Is Matt Kemp a jag? He's. I think he's basically in that same class as Adam Jones. Like I, I do think that's a little better than a jag, um, because. There are times when you're genuinely excited to have them in your lineup, but I don't think either are must start anymore. And in shallower leagues, I don't think even like a three outfielder to 12 team league, I don't think either is necessarily must own. And he's been, he had that hamstring injury in mid June and he's hitting like 210 since then, uh, as well. He missed like three games in a week span. The big thing for me, though, is his bad ball profile. He's a guy whose bad ball profile changed last year, started hitting a lot more fly balls. Now he has a 27% fly ball rate, which is like better than Christian Yelich, but probably still one of the worst or one of the lowest in baseball. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to hit for power when you're doing that. Well, he, so Kemp, I don't know. Is it a stretch to say? It's a stretch. I was going to say maybe the struggles coincided with Freeman's absence, but that's stupid. But he did hit 35 home runs with 108 RBIs last year, so he's he's somewhat of a jag, but is is Matt Kemp maybe a buy low? Mm. No, not interesting. I mean, maybe in the most technical sense, like the way he's been recently is not as good as you expect him to be over the long run, so maybe you can buy low on him, but I just I don't really feel like he's a game changer. 
Okay. Jackie Bradley is 89% owned. Last year, he was the number 14 outfielder in points leagues, number 15 in roto. And this year, he is uh, struggling, batting 268 with only 12 home runs, 16 doubles in 83 games. He was on a nice little hot streak, though, uh, just before the All-Star break. 51 games, in fact. He had a 321 batting average, 10 homers, and a 976 OPS. So Jackie Bradley started off terribly. And he's a very streaky player. First 20 games, terrible. Next 51 games, great. 12 games since the All-Star break. 465 OPS, one walk, 19 strikeouts. So he has been ice cold since the break. Is Jackie Bradley Jr. a Jag, or would you regret dropping him? I He's better than both Matt Jones. Adam Jones and Matt Kemp. And Matt Jones, for that matter. And Matt Jones. <laughs> okay, thank you. Is he, is he even in Roto Leagues? Like, do we expect him to homer at the same rate as those two? Yes. Yeah, I think he's a, a legitimate 25 to 30 homer guy, and I don't think the other two are at this point. Oh. Well, Adam Jones, you think, is. I mean, he already has 19. Yeah, Adam Jones just, the, like, he's not to. Not to go here again, but I think Adam Jones is one of those guys who's going to finish like 32nd. And I've made this argument about Eric Hosmer, and he's kind of disproved that over the last month and a half or so. But he's someone who will finish 32nd in outfield, but actually be like the 45th best outfielder or something on any given day. And just like the numbers are going to be there because he plays every day and he's batting leadoff now. And he never, never walks. So he's just going to get a ton of at bats and rack up counting stats. But like, on a per-game basis, he's very replaceable. And I don't feel the same way about Jackie Bradley. Okay, lovely. So let's look at the double dongs from yesterday. Three guys. Giancarlo Stanton, who I believe is now tied with Aaron Judge for the Major League lead in homers. And in his last 16 games, Stanton is a has a three thirty nine batting average and 11 home runs. And he is slugging almost a 1,000. His OPS is 1,401. <laughs> he has four multi-homer games in the month of July. Yeah, Stanton is on fire. Hunter Renfro is 43% owned. I don't think we care about his two-homer game, right? I think he's maybe a little bit under-owned, but all he gives you is batting error, home runs. And Carlos Santana is now the number 16 first baseman in points leagues, number 29 in Roto, 241, 12 home runs, 52 RBIs. And, uh, yeah, he's Santana, just kind of a bad version. And I think the the number 16 ranking at first base in points leagues, that's with a little bit of bad luck. Yeah, for Santana? Because the home run to fly ball rate's only 11.4%. For his career, it's 14%. Last year, it was 17%. I think he's got room to grow. Okay. Yes, he does. Oh, yes. Thank you for that, Chris Towers. Uh, I'm not alone on Carlos Santana Island for once. No, no. I mean, it, it, he's he's pretty jaggy on oh in Roto. Goodness. Oh, okay. yeah, in Roto. Okay. But in points, I think he's like a legitimate top 12 to 15 first base. Hang on, though. I gotta clarify. I never thought that Santana was like droppable or wasn't gonna turn things around. I always supported you when you said buy low on Santana. The best, you said like last week, the best was yet to come. I said absolutely. My argument was just how had he been doing so far this year? That was it. I mean, 16th best first baseman in this first base crop. In points leagues, I understand that this is, we're just, we just have to be points league specific when we talk Carlos Santana. Okay. That's he, pretty he, good. He might have the biggest first, gap. At first base. Yeah. Yeah, he does. You'd think have the biggest gap. I, okay. I, you know, but, but <laughs> on a per game basis, he's probably not 16th. Oh! <laughs> well, you, it's true. It's true. I um, mean, it, I don't know because like first base isn't a position where there's a lot of guys who just like like there there's just everybody's good at first base so I feel like you're rank, that's the one position and you know maybe outfield is the one position like where you rank probably tells us a lot about who you are just because there's so many good players okay that but, there but, aren't but a, Chris uh, I'm just gonna tell you like the honest to god truth there are three players that are that are behind him in the standings and points leagues that I'm going to assume have been better on a per game basis than Santana. Marwin Gonzalez, right. Justin Bohr, and Freddie Freeman. All right, what were they again? Marwin Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. Justin Bohr. Well, certainly Freddie Freeman, Freeman has. has been one of the probably six best hitters. I would guess Marwin season. Gonzalez has too. I'll I'll look up exactly where Carlos Santana ranks okay. in uh in points per game. Okay, would be actually very interested to know. But we look, this guy's a a second half player. 
<laughs> Chris is all about breaking the tension today. He's been goofing around with the sock puppets and just put- Yeah, I've got a little, I've got a little sock puppet. He's wearing a little, like, hat. Yeah. He looks like He's a, a finger puppet. A finger puppet, yeah. Uh, okay, lost my train of thought, so let's move on with some news and notes for you real quick. Oh, it's almost time for Team Name Tuesday. Zach Wheeler's on the DL with a stress reaction in his arm. No timetable for his return. Great year for the Mets. Matt Carpenter expected back today. Wilson Ramos had a head laceration. He could play tomorrow. That's crazy. How could he play tomorrow? He had six stitches in his head. Come on, he's a hockey hit with player. A big piece of wood, right? What? Staples. Staples. Yeah, he got hit by, the, by a giant piece of wood. Yeah. Uh, he did. What's the difference between a stitch and a staple? Is a staple what it sounds like? Like, is it? The yeah, thing? it is. Yeah, it's like a staple. Oh. Yeah, like Milton with the stapler. Tyson Ross on the DL with a blister. Rajay Davis started again. It was against a lefty. That's what we expect. Rajay Davis was caught stealing. J.D. Martinez returned to the lineup, and he homered. And Alex Meyer is on the DL with shoulder inflammation, <sighs> and Meyer has a history of shoulder issues. So let's do some team name Tuesday. This is from, oh man, I hate when I leave the names out. Peter in Chicago. Hey, some combination of Sal, Murr, Q, and Joe. That's, uh, uh, practical jokers. Impractical oh, jokers. Impractical jokers. Yeah, that's it. Never that's say- That's like- Yeah. Good. My favorite show to watch when nothing's on, because it seems like it's always on. <laughs> You're 100% right. Yeah, always True TV plays nothing but Impractical Jokers until March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. That was the first show that uh, my wife and I ever watched together, actually. Aww. Yeah. Aww. Anyway, uh, these are all Raphael Devers' team names, so never say Devers. Yep. That's pretty good. From Keenan, the Red Sox need to leave it to Devers. Sure. I think it works. Written out, it works. Yaz Devers money, Raphael Problems is the winner so far. Fantastic. Mike in Riverdale, New York. The Devers in the details. Sure. That's good. Tyler from Minneapolis, the Devers ending story. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> and Steve wants to reclaim Enter Sandman from Mariana Rivera, and he says, we're off to Dever Devers land. Good, good, good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't love any of these. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to think it's not of one. easy. And I don't know where where to go with this one. So I'm just going to leave it. Something about, like, endeavors? Mm. Yeah, that could be. Maybe. Maybe that could work. So never say devers. Leave it to devers. Yaz devers, buddy. Raphael problems. <laughs> the best one. The devers of the details. The devers ending story. And we're off to dever devers land. I'm going to give it to... Leave it to devers, even though it doesn't rhyme with beaver. I'm going to give it to that one. Uh, okay. what? Well, was it Devers say Devers or Never say Devers? Never say Devers. Devers, Devers say, say Devers, Devers. Is, is actually maybe better. Hmm. Oh. Okay. Uh, Carlos Santana is 19th in points per game at first base. So honestly, how do you starting, feel? Starting utility guy. How do you feel about him knowing that? I Well, like I, I mean, said, I think he's better than his numbers indicate. How do you feel about the season that Carlos Santana has had based on it's, that? It's been a little disappointing. I think it's been fine. I mean, he's better he's better than Eric Thames, he's better than Eric Hosmer. Really? Um, yeah. He's better than Yonder Alonso in per game production. All right. Like I I mean, part of the problem is just he he's coming. He was coming off a career year, and people were drafting him too high. Yeah, and so you feel this disappointment that may not be entirely appropriate. All right, three up, none down. Three up, number one is AJ Pollock. Very interesting player. He's really good. I'm not going to get into all the numbers, although his last seven games he's raised his OPS from 770 to 856. Pollock steals bases. He's he's really good. He sits a lot. He sat two of the last five games. Is AJ Pollock a top fifteen outfielder? Yes, I think so. I, he hasn't like the the difference between Pollock today and Pollock two years ago when he had that monster season that made him put him up there with Mike Trout at the top of the outfield rankings. Uh, that was a different offensive environment that wasn't so home run dependent. He hasn't really homered at a rate to keep up with the way everyone else has begun to homer more around him. So I think he's borderline top 15. 
I will say he's played 53 games, so that's basically a third of a season. If you give him, you just multiply all his numbers by three, 15 homers, 42 stolen bases, 114 runs, 64 RBI. That's pretty Man, fantastic. But I can't, I, I can't even begin no, to I accept understand. that because yeah. you have to, you have to take 40% of that away. Well, I don't know about that, but he sits, Sitting recently, two of the last five games, like before the All Star break, two of the last five games, and and the re- there is a reason for that. They're trying to keep him healthy, so it's yeah. almost like you know, like Scott, you always kind of say that a guy who sits against lefties is barely mixed league relevant. I I feel like that has to be brought up with AJ Pollock, you know, because he just well, they do sit. I mean, him. it doesn't go as far as he's not mixed league relevant. Of course. Sure, of course, but it does hurt his overall value. And that's part of the reason why I, I do believe fantasy points per game are a better indicator of talent and relevance than just straight fantasy points. But there are sometimes reasons why a player doesn't play as many games as another player. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that is worth bringing up for Pollock. But you understand my point about home runs. Like, yeah. if he's on a 15-homer pace compared to the 20-something yeah. homers he, he hit 20. two years ago and everybody else is homering more, that – that brings Pollock down in relative value, even if he is completely healthy and playing every day. All right, three ups, uh, three up numbers two and three. Chris Taylor and Scooter Jeanette. Do you buy them? Do, do you buy them? Chris Taylor and Scooter Jeanette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chris Taylor's just gonna have a 569 Babbitt forever. What is this Babbitt? Wow. It's 569 in July. It's like probably still 390 or something for the season. Like, I feel like I can't just keep dismissing Chris Taylor. I'm there there have been adjustments made that explain the increased hard contact. Four twenty two. The increased line drive percentage. And what's his batting average? Three eighteen. Yeah. I mean the batting average is going to have to go down, but I think the power gains are enough that he's still going to be a useful fantasy option. Like what is his ownership now I think is seventy eight percent. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's over owned. He's multi-eligible. Yeah. Um, right. He changed his stance in the offseason in a way that seems to generate harder contact. So I I think there is some legitimacy to what Chris Taylor's doing, and I'm not just going to write him off anymore. What about Scooter, Scooter McGavin? Scooter McGavin. <laughs> uh, Scooter Jeanette is, uh, I mean, they've basically stopped playing Jose Peraza. Yep. He started, I think Jeanette started seven straight, including two against left-handers. He's homered in two straight. I don't think his line is 100% sustainable, but there's enough need at second base that I don't think his high 70% ownership is over-owned either. I think he's he's getting to be appropriately owned now. So who's on the show tomorrow? I think Chris and I again. I I really think it's so interesting that there have been a number of hitters who have come out of nowhere this year. Some of them have kept it up and some of them have not. You know, like Jed Lowry hasn't really kept it up. Uh Kevin Pillar didn't keep it up, but and you could I guess you could argue Justin Bohr didn't keep it up either. He'd been pretty cold. Uh, maybe that had something to do with his first DL stint. I don't know. It's really interesting cuz this is sort of an era where like Justin Smoke happens, Scooter Jeanette happens. Scooter Jeanette, since the four homer game, not even counting the four homer game, has a has an OPS over a thousand in thirty six games. So I don't know, maybe it's something worth exploring. Is there something that's making it sustainable for some people and not like how do we know when it's just a slump and we ignore the history? How do we know when it's when it's Justin Smoke? It's really it's it's really fascinating to me, and maybe we can explore that tomorrow. Uh, let's move on. Are these guys must start? Kyle Hendricks. Not yet. Nope. Justin Verlander. Yes. Yes, sir. How about, who's next? Uh, James Paxton, yes. Without question. He's amazing. <laughs> he's gonna end up, like, if he stays healthy, he's gonna end up throwing like 170 innings of a mid to high two ZRA with maybe 200 strikeouts. He's, he's fantastic. James Paxton. Garrett Cole, must start? Yeah. Yeah, two earned runs or less in eight of nine, I think. How about eight percent swinging strikes though in his last eight starts when he has a three oh four ERA? I wish he was better. Yeah, yeah but he's good enough great. to start every week. Is he sell high, Garrett Cole? Um, 
It depends what you can get for him. <laughs> yeah, it depends if it's like honestly high. Like Because he's got the 412 ERA for the season, I'm not sure anybody's going to give you more than he's worth. But if I could get Johnny Cueto for Garrett Cole, I would do that. Would you? Uh, hmm, yeah. Interesting. Cueto's on his way back and says it's not a true blister that he had. Um, and I, I like, I have a lot of faith in Cueto. This is the, the issue with the fingers he'd been pitching with since May. So I think it's excusable some of the issues he's had this year, especially the control problems recently. But, um, I don't, I don't think that's high enough to sell Cole. I don't see that as a genuine sell high. I think it's at best an even swap. Hmm. And, you know, based on the way Cole, Cueto's pitched this year, it could be worse. And Eduardo Rodriguez, is he a must start? Not yet. Not yet. Um, and his velocity's been a little down since coming back. But if you believe in the breakthrough he was having before, he, he deserves your patience now. Yeah, it was one bad inning for Rodriguez. You don't like the, he's been walking some batters since coming off the DL, but, um, one bad inning and Hanley Ramirez made a pretty below average play that cost them a run. So. Not so, you know, not terrible. Uh, well, it wasn't. Look, they hit the ground ball to Hanley Ramirez. Runners coming home from third. He should have been out. He didn't make a very good throw. I'm just gonna say. Yeah, that'll happen when Hanley Ramirez is playing in the field. Yeah, I yeah. So uh, Hanley Ramirez starting to play in the field against lefties with Chris Young DHing and Mitch Moreland sitting. Surprisingly good starts yesterday. Do you care about any of these? Josh Tomlin, Blake Snell, Francisco Liriano. I'm I'm happy to see Blake Snell pitch well. I'm happy to see Blake Snell get out of the fifth inning. <laughs> um, yeah, he, I've been saying all season, it's gonna, the light's gonna go on for him at some point. And it's just a question of whether you have the patience to ride through it until it does. And I'm not sure this was that moment. I mean, he, yeah, he only had four strikeouts, so it seemed like he sacrificed something to get there. Uh, but, you know, step in the right direction. Okay. In order to, um, Try to get to some emails. It's going to be tough. Let's see how quickly we can go through today's games. Carlos Rodon at John Lackey. I would start. I will start both. No, really? No, I'm gonna start. I would, I'm, I, I'm thinking Rodon. either. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not starting either. Rodon. Cubs have been just killing it lately. I'd be more likely to start Lackey, but I it first start back from the DL. I I'd rather not. Is this his first start? I thought he made a start. Am I crazy? I think he made one start. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, and I thought it went pretty um Yeah, five innings, one run, one yeah. strikeout at the Braves. All yeah. right. Okay. Ne- next game. Come on, Scott. I was at the Braves. How'd you not get that? Uh, <laughs> Charlie Morton, Nick Pavetta. I'll start Morton against the Phillies. Yeah. Zach Davies, Edwin Jackson. Nope. Somebody picked up Edwin Jackson in one of our leagues. Are you crazy? No. Don't do it's, that. It's that 40-team NL-only league we've got. No, it was the points. It was the podcast points league, I think. Wow. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't really, pick uh, up really Jackson. Spamming the two-star pitchers there. He must be a two-star pitcher next week because they picked him up this morning. He he was. Oh, this morning? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> am I insane okay. here? We're not getting the emails today. Uh, <laughs> am I insane? Let's play the game. Is Adam insane? No, he's not. Edwin Jackson That's was picked up. Move. Who? Let's, who could? Yeah, I would not approve that move. Who could uh, him. this team have thought they were picking up that spells his name similarly to Edwin Jackson? This is a first place team, by the way. I'm coming for you, Maybe Coco. Stunting. Chris. Okay. Like, him, like high stepping into the end zone. <laughs> I've got more. <laughs> I've got uh, more games to get to here, and I've gotten off track. This is a tough one. Luis Castillo at Jordan Montgomery. I, Jordan Montgomery's been bad for about five starts now. Um, I'd be more willing to start Luis Castillo. I would point. too, but I think I'd start both. Castillo, I think, is a must, uh, but Montgomery. I'm still worried just because I've been so high on Luis Castillo, and there's going to be a bad start at some point. It happens for everybody. Uh, I don't know that it ha- he hasn't already gotten it out of the way though, with all the walks and everything. Sorry, it's like, so sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's uh, sorry. Just we're at an hour. Um, <laughs> Castillo Montgomery, they're dicey. Okay. Sonny Gray, we're going to start him at the Blue Jays against Valdez, first initial C. What is his first name? Caesar. Cesar. Good job. I wouldn't have gotten that. So don't start Valdez, right? 
No. And, you know, keep an eye on Sonny Gray. If he starts giving people hugs during pregame warm-ups, yeah. you probably want to sit him. Wade Miley, Jacob Faria. Uh, start Faria. Duffy and Fulmer. Start both. Yep. Jesse Chavez and Clevenger. Start Clevenger. Clevenger, yeah. That's it. Dan Straley, Cole Hamels. Start both. <laughs> yeah. Ah, Straley is bad on the road. Yeah. All right. John Gray at Lance Lynn. Start both. It's away from course. Fultonevich at Taiwan Walker. I will start both, but I'm very scared of starting Fulty against the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Why Why are you starting him then? Because he's been good recently. Seth Lugo at Yolisha Scene. I will start Lugo. Yeah. I'm Definitely. I'm starting both. I'd start both. Barrios at Maeda. Uh, we'll start both. Yes. Yeah, Barrios, you cool with? Yeah, I'm cool oh, yeah, with that. Sure. Drew Pomeranz at Felix Hernandez. I'll start both. And start. Uh, oh, sorry. I don't. Okay. Yeah, we'll start both. I'm was hedging on Felix, but that's fine. Tyone and Bumgarner, we're gonna start. It's time for me to make my bold prediction. Yolisha Seen will be better than all, but he will be a top five pitcher today. Out of 30 pitchers, Yolisha Seen will be a top five pitcher. Okay. I'm the best. Very bold of you. Gosh, I'm so fun with these bold predictions flying all over the place. Zany. Is this kind of like Bonanza in football? No, I got the last one right, so. Okay. (laughs) I think it might have been about Yolisha. I think it was. It was Yolisha Seen will be better than Jamison Tyone last time they pitched. Nailed it. See ya. See ya.